What is up, everybody? This is Alex, and you are listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I know uh, you are probably as excited as I am um, this week, so I hope all of you are having a fantastic week after what was uh, one of the most annoying seasons in recent times. Um, Hopefully, though, over the last two days, um, you got some news that made you feel much better and much more optimistic. I'm already excited for the new season to begin, Um, but first and foremost, uh, I'd like to go over just a real quick bit on the post-match for the last match of the season. I know most of us uh, don't really want to dwell on it, nor is it the most important or nearly even the the most important thing uh, I'd like to talk about today. Next up, I'd like to talk about board slash managerial news and rumors, which, as you know, that's going to be the the big chunk, the big majority of the uh, episode. And then lastly, talk about some transfer rumors, the next most exciting thing coming up. So overall, uh, it was a very poor performance. We lost 1-3 to three at West Ham. Um, Nias with the goal. I still can't figure out how this man see, uh, is able to score so much, to be honest, but I will take it. Uh, I really like him a lot as do most fans nowadays. Um, and I really do hope that he stays. The My only my only caveat would be not at Calvert-Lewin's expense in terms of, of playing time um, and development next season. But past that, um, Funes Mori looked pretty poor, to be honest. Now, I mean, most people did, you could tell, and as, as the commentators actually, I feel, got... A lot of the tactical analysis pretty spot on in terms of what was going on during the match. Everyone was trying to figure out that formation. Um, now, generally speaking, Funes Mori does excel at the left side of a back three or a back five, however you'd like to deem it. Um, but he looked pretty poor this time around. Now, of course, I'm if I'm not mistaken, that was his first start since returning from injury. He really hasn't had a whole lot, whole lot of time at all. Um, so I'm not really too worried about it. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do next season because I think uh, if they don't sign a starting center back this summer, um, then he's really going to have to step up next season. Ideally, long term, we would see uh, Michael Keane and Funes Mori. Let me, let me rephrase that. Mid-term, we would see Michael Keane and Funes Mori um, starting in a, in a back four, whereas I'd love if Holgate could step into that role of course Keen and Holgate are both right-footed but that's I guess I'm going off on a tangent that's beside the point um the only other point really I had to make about uh this match was well uh the season's over finally but um also I'm glad that Klassen got more minutes than usual he came on at halftime if I remember correctly one thing I will point out is you could tell that his confidence is super low um he did a lot of work defensively. I also did note that um, he tracked back a lot, um, plenty of really deep runs, uh, which I found um, good because you can show that he really is trying. Um, and just as other managers have said, like in training, there's there's no faulting him uh, for his for his um, what am I trying to say? Shit, um, for his effort. At training, sorry, it's been a long day at work. For his effort at training, I um, mean, you could tell during the match, 
Uh, he also he ha- he he found some good pockets of space to show himself to his teammates. Um, but again, you can tell his confidence is low because right when he got the ball, he looked for a very quick short pass to get rid of it. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of what happens. I'm I'm very hopeful, uh, especially off of what Bill Kenwright said uh, a couple weeks ago at the awards ceremony that um, Klassen stays over the summer. And I'd really love to see what happens with a new manager and different tactics. Um, I think that he really could excel in the Premier League. He just has to find the right system. He's one of those guys that's really not going to be flexible in, in terms of in terms of how the team plays and how the team is set up because of the fact that he can't rely on his size or his pace, right? He can't. Or his defensive ability um, in that regard. And you know Sigurdsson's got the attacking midfield spot locked down. So he'd have to play a box-to-box role, which, as we understand, is his preferred role. But the issue is, again, um, you know, you're going to have to figure out who can you pair with him at DM to make sure the system works well. So, I don't know. It'll be it'll be, it'll be be interesting to see. I really hope he does shine next season because um, that would be huge for us. We have a packed midfield and somehow we can't figure it out. That's that's what I'll never understand. I think that's that's pretty Everton-esque. Um, anyway, on to, the, on to the good stuff. The uh, board and managerial news and rumors. So... To start it off, as everyone knows, Sam Allardyce was announced um, that he left, he departed today, which was fantastic. I think everyone felt great about that and very well deserved. I mean, some stuff in the media saying that he was quoted saying he was disgusted by the timing and the fact that it happened because he did such a great job and, you know, look at who he signed in January. But at the end of the day, um, he was never going to be here more than his six months. Um, that that was just never going to happen. So I think it was a very um, a very uh, conscious decision by the board, who, um, as most of you also know, today uh, Marcel Brands was announced as the new director of football, which also saw Steve Walsh leave. And um, the new CEO, well, as we're uh, going down the list, there was a big shakeup at sea level, or in other words, the Chiefs. Um, so there's a new CEO, new female CEO. She's a professor. I'm not going to try to look her name up or anything like that. Uh, there's a new, if I'm not mistaken, chief financial officer who was also at the club already. And then there was another new officer. Um, that stuff I'm not as familiar with. I just understand that. Moshiri pretty much shook up the entire uh, the entire upper level of the club, so that's exciting. Um, a big one for I know a lot of a lot of you uh, English toffees. Elstone has left. Um, I personally don't have any any uh, any things to say about him. I don't know enough about him to have an issue, but it seems like the majority of English toffees uh, have issues. So that should be good news to you all. Anyway, back to Marcel Brand. So it was, or the new CEO said that um, she's going to work with Marcel Brands over the next one and a half to two weeks to choose the new manager. And that right there is the key to a successful future, right? Because they obviously learned their lesson trying to implement the new director of football role with Steve Walsh in 2016. 
if your director of football and your manager are not on the same page, what happens? You make 10 signings over the summer, most of them don't work out, and others are excluded from the squad, right? So the whole idea of the director of football is the director of football builds the vision and is there for long term. So as managers switch out or, you know, things happen, right, the director of football can carry on the same vision and continuity within the club in terms of transfers and player policy, that sort of thing. That's the main idea behind a director of football. So it's important and it underlines the fact that they now have a better understanding as to what's supposed to be going on with this new role. And I call it new, but we're, you know, we're going to stick with that because uh, what they like to call the director of football the last, uh, the last two years, I'm just going to ignore <laughs> at this point. But that's very exciting. Um, as most people know, the leading candidate for the job is Marco Silva. Um, you know, the media is talking about how, oh, it's almost done and this, that, and the other. But then they come out today saying they're going to work together to find the right man for the job. So... I really don't know who to believe. Um, my 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 big thing on Marco Silva, you know, there's a lot of negativity on you know different sites and stuff like that. Specifically the subreddit, the Everton subreddit. Again, that's just I'm on the Everton subreddit about 15 times a day, so um, that's where I cite most of my sources. But uh, there's a lot of negativity towards Marco Silva in general. Um, which is funny because about six months ago, everyone was, was super excited, hopeful to get him. Talking about what a great, young, progressive, attack-minded manager he was. And now, all of a sudden, um, not a whole lot's changed in terms of his performance or um, his track record or anything like that. And yet, the majority of fans are citing the fact that his head was turned too easily um, by Everton. And, and that got him in a predicament towards the end of his reign at Watford. Now, I'm absolutely not saying that Marco Silva is the best choice. I am not on record for saying that at all, um, nor do I believe it. But what I will say is that it's important that the fan base get behind whoever comes in because we can't complain about, you know, discontinuity and, and how things are working. A lot, You know, the fact that we had three managers this season... We now have a, uh, a new C-level. We have a new director of football trying to reshape the entire organization, essentially. And then complain when we get, you know, when we appoint a manager, right? Every manager has to start from somewhere. I'd like to remind you all of that as well. In my opinion, it can be the same idea as recruiting a younger player. Um, not the exact same, obviously. I don't want to be uh, burned at the stake for that comment, but... You know, I, I kind of equate them the same way. You know, lots of potential. He has he has a style and that he likes to implement. If you talk to whole whole city fans, they'll tell you he's Lord and Savior at this rate, um, because he, what he, what he was able to do at Hull, um, although they were still re relegated, but his his points points tally with that squad, seeing as how they had a total of like four players on their books a month or two out from the season, was literally a miracle. Um. Plus, a, little, a side note, maybe he could talk uh, King Nias to stay with us another year or two. But all chuckles aside, um, Fonseca, I did a, I did a piece on uh, Fonseca 
a couple months ago before I took my hiatus, and I am a big fan of the idea. He, you know, the big thing he brings to the table, A, is a winning mentality, although it's in a, a different, much weaker league, but B, he brings good European experience, which we need. Um, so, anyway, to, as of today, he's rumored to have signed a, two new, a, a new two-year deal with Shakhtar, so that may be out the window. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm still hoping that Everton, um, you know, are approaching guys like Emery and, and you know, all these other managers. I don't really, again, it's been a long work day. I don't even, I can't even think of others. Um, oh, the, uh, the Red Bull Leipzig boss has parted ways with them. And as we know, Lookman's been over there. Uh, they have been literally a phenomenal story, Leicester-like almost, in their rise to Champions League football. Um, and actually being able to sustain what they did last season, this season, in terms of form and, and place in the table. So that could be a really exciting shout as well. Um, but I guess we'll see again, as they said, in the next one and a half, two weeks, we should have a manager and that'll be exciting because then we should get cracking on um, player recruitment. And I think that, you know, we're going to see a bunch of, we're going to see a bunch of departures and hopefully... Excuse me. Hopefully, um, a couple really quality signings to hop right into the first eleven. Now, on to transfer rumors. The first one's got me pretty excited, to be honest. Um, Danny Rose. We are rumored to be in for Danny Rose from Tottenham. He's kind of. I don't know that he's fell out of favor. I don't follow Tottenham as closely. I really don't like Tottenham. Um, but I guess my understanding is Ben Davies kind of took over as with you know with how he's performing this season as the borderline or maybe even first choice left back. Um, if you ask me, if we were to sign Danny Rose, who would come at a, at a very expensive price? He's English, always comes at a premium. Um, and furthermore, I think he's, don't quote me, but like 26-ish, so right right near his peak physical fitness age, um, I think that he would walk in and pretty much become the first choice left back over Leighton Baines. Now, do I like that fact? Nope. Because as we saw this season, and Baines has never really been, uh, uh, he's never been more than a, than a quiet, quiet dude that just gets his shit done, but um, Baines, or excuse me, but it's kind of sad to think about, you know, life without guys like Jagielka and Baines, um, specifically because, you know, they've they've always carried along with them over the last decade, the correct set of Everton values, right? And where I was going was, we saw this season that that very quickly can vanquish out of nowhere, right? Um, you sign a bunch of players, foreign players you know, paired with bigger egos, it seems, nowadays, that come along with an inflated market, and you all of a sudden don't know what the club is about or what the club should be and have no identity. Um, and I almost liken that to uh, current-day Man United. That's my little jab at Man United because it seems like they just field a bunch of prima donnas, and that's why they don't excel. But anyway, back to the point. 
I don't like the fact that uh, you know Leighton Baines very much would may not be starting next year, but at the same time, he'll be 34 next season, right? Love Cup games. Um, inevitably, you know he'll get some time during regular season matches either way as well, most likely. So, I think it's a reality. Um, I don't think that we would be super weak if he did continue, but anyway. Back to that, Dana Rose would be an exciting um, pickup in my opinion. I know mostly, I think people mostly get bent out of shape on how much we'd get charged, but again, um, it's Moshiri's money, not mine. And, you know, if it makes the squad better, it makes the squad better, and the guy could be here for years to come, so could be a good pickup. Next on the list is Alfie Mawson, center back from Swansea. Um, and he's performed very well this season. He's a good young player. Um, he's kind of slow, though, which is everyone's kind of big thing. Uh, <laughs> I saw someone... Uh, I saw someone talking about Michael Keane earlier and, and the the prospect of playing Mawson and Keane at center back and the fact that Michael Keane has the turn radius of a school bus, which I thought was absolutely hilarious because it's so true. Um, but the idea is that, you know, Michael Keane's not very quick either. Jagielka's kind of always been our savior in that regard. And I don't know that pairing two slow center backs is, is a very good idea. Um... And another valid point that was made is, you know, Michael Keane's played better with Jagielka, much more experienced center back next to him. So I don't know that it's in the cards right now for us to be able to, you know, start playing two much younger center backs. Um, and, you know, just just as goalkeepers, um, defenders really do rely on their experience a lot. I mean, obviously, it, midfielders, attackers are the same way, but in my opinion, it's amplified for um, defenders and goalkeepers. So, you know, that's a big point. Again, if we can pick him up for good value and he's willing to come, I think it'd be a good signing. We have Williams and Jagielka who are going to need to be replaced. Furthermore, you never know Holgate's ceiling. He's showing fantastic promise. I think he had a very good season when he had um, when he had the playtime. But again, you never know his ceiling, which Mawson is already showing a much higher level immediately. Furthermore, we also don't know if Funes Mori is ever going to um, be able to push beyond just a squad player role. So it's an option, but again, only for good value, which I doubt we could get. Next up on the list, which is extremely under, underrate, or underwhelming, excuse me, Musa Morega from Porto. He's a striker and also a... Uh, um, he, he, I think, from my understanding, he can play um, up front and maybe on the right. Um, his agent confirmed con contact from Everton. Uh, this guy's a tank. He's big, he's strong, he's very fast. Um, my issue is, I watched a couple tapes on the guy. He has basically no technical ability whatsoever. And, as we see, the issue with that is the fact that in the Premier League, you don't have nearly as much time or space as, you know, let's say the Portuguese league, um, or really any other league abroad. So the issue with that is the fact that essentially, in my eyes, I see him as a slightly upgraded Niaz. 
but it almost looks, to be honest, according to tapes, it looks like Nias has better technical form than this guy does. I think it'd be a very underrated, underwhelming, excuse me, underwhelming signing. I would not go for it whatsoever. Now, Donis Avdijaj, uh, excuse me for that one. Um, he's a young attacking midfielder from Schalke. Uh, he's on loan. He was on the loan this season. I forget where he went on loan to. Um, about 21 years of age, and he had a ton of promise a couple seasons ago, along with you know Leon Goretzka and Max Meyer. Um, but I guess he really just hasn't lived up to expectation. And now it's quoted that. Um, we could get him for two and a half million pounds. Now, my my thing is, I don't think that he would ever cut at Everton because we still have Kieran Dowell. And it seems like, <clears throat> to my limited knowledge on this guy, keep that in mind, um, Kieran Dowell's already done a little bit more than, than he has, especially in terms of the English game. Um, he was... You know, Kieran Dow had a pretty good season with Nottingham Forest, specifically the first half. But again, form tapers off and stuff. In my opinion, I'd much rather have Dow on the squad than this than this man right here. And furthermore, um, furthermore, you know, there's there's definitely not going to be room for him along with you know Vlasic, Lookman, Calvert Lewin, Holgate, Kenny, uh, Benny, all of them. So at that rate. I say it's a no from me. Last on the list, which I think would, in my opinion, walk into the starting 11, uh, is William Carvalho from Sporting in Portugal. If you're not familiar with him, um, he's a big, strong, central defensive midfielder. Um, he's got a good, a really good range of passing, and I think he has just what he what what is needed to um, excel in the league. I think that it could be um, a fantastic sight to see him holding with Ghana roaming around everywhere and, you know, Sigurdsson up up top in the midfield trio. I think it would be a great signing. We've been linked with him for a couple years now, so I'm not sure how true it is. But if you haven't seen the news in um, abroad, sporting, their club's like in turmoil. The president is fining people um, and uh, fining players and stuff. And then all of a sudden, I think yesterday... 50 hooded, essentially, criminals came to their training facility and attacked the players and kind of ransacked the place. So, you know, there are rumors that a bunch of players are trying to leave now based on everything that's going on. So who knows? Could get him at a cut rate. Um, Maybe that's what he needs to push him over the edge and give something else a try. So we'll see on that. Um, Anyway, I really appreciate you appreciate you guys tuning in. I know this one's a little bit of a rough one. Again, my brain's kind of fried from a long work day. Uh, also, a lot of a lot of Everton news and, and stuff to process. But that's fantastic. Um, so I hope all of you have a fantastic week. Um, and hopefully we get some more news on the manager situation soon. I'll have another episode next week for sure. I may aim for the end of the week because of you know the manager situation in hopes that in hopes that we get another announcement. And last me, lastly, my normal um, plug, if you're listening um, and you are not on Reddit, right, go to reddit.com, create a profile, it takes, you know, 30 seconds, and join the Everton subreddit. 
Think of subreddits as just a group, you know, kind of like a group on Facebook almost. You can join the subreddit, and it's a fantastic community. Um, the Everton subreddit is literally the reason why I started podcasting. Um, you know, their support and being able to interact with everyone there is is um, really the only interaction I get with Everton-related topics. But uh, the reason why it benefits you specifically is because Reddit is a place where, you know, people can share all this different content in one location. So when you're talking about the Everton subreddit, when news hits, you can go on Reddit, right? Like today, for example, you could have gone on Reddit and you would have seen every piece of news that there was to see. Now, of course, you could say, okay, why can't we just, you know, look at the Everton website or whatever else? But the thing is, you know, people post transfer rumors. There are great conversations to be had, all sorts of stuff. So... Again, if, if you haven't, um, please check it out. If you are the user that um, commented last week, uh, I made the same sort of shout-out, albeit a little uh, shorter. Um, I can't remember the username. Uh, I really appreciate you joining the subreddit. Um, I hope you, you've enjoyed it this week, specifically uh, today with all the news. Um, so anyway, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll talk to you next week. Have a great rest of your week.